Hey, hey, everybody. We've got Steve Sims with Sims Distillery, a community that you have no clue who you'll meet, what rooms you'll enter, what's going to happen next. We dive into how to fail often and fail up. Steve talks about not understanding the how, but understanding the who. And Steve leaves us with a give that you'll be able to learn and take action on immediately. Check it out. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brandon Strauss, and I believe that life gives to the giver. And today we've got Steve Sims of Sims Distillery, Sims Media, to help you lead with the give. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Hey, you know, as opposed to waiting till the end of the episode for our members, where's the best place for them to connect with you outside of the give, which, you know, we're obviously going to tease at the end of it, but where can they connect with you outside of the podcast? Um, head over to Instagram, Steve D Sims, D for dashing, only one M in Sims. I'm Steve D Sims on all social platforms or look me up on stevedsims.com. Yeah. You know, I, I normally wouldn't go with this, but we just got, had a really interesting conversation. So if you're looking for a voodoo priestess hanging out at the bunny ranch, or for some reason, like going around Elon Musk's gigafactory, this could be for you. If not, Booger off. But anyways, let's uh, let's kind of jump into this. You know, our ability or I should say our availability um, to information has drastically changed over the last two to three years. You know, when we were younger, textbooks, teachers, friends, family, beyond the Googles, the YouTubes and the search engines. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Um, so I class myself as an educated man, but acknowledge that school had nothing to do with it. So I think that education is, so, it's, it's a muscle and, you know, you lose it or, you, or you, you know, you use it or you lose it. But I noticed that our necessity to withhold information has, has become in, not irrelevant, but it's, it's less important now. You know, we outsource all of our requirements to our iPhone now. You know, I want to know this. But what has taken place of that is not understanding the how, but understanding the who. And I think we're stronger. I think we're stronger in business when we stop trying to look, hey, how do I do this? And start looking at who's got the unicorn in doing it. Mm. And so for me, education has grown over the past years and has the availability to information has grown. So is the availability of misinformation. And that I've noticed. So now I look for sources. If I need to, we just called in our mutual friend a few moments ago. And we were, let's be serious. We were name dropping some insanely brilliant people. Jason Campbell, Nick Peterson, Laurel Portier. We mentioned Joe Polish, but we won't dwell on him. Yeah. But, you know, we mentioned some phenomenal people. How fortunate are we to be able to have a conversation and to be able to call those people our friends? So in mm. today's world, I'm really not worried about how I can Google stuff. I'm worried about who I can contact and go, how do I do this and who needs to do it for me? Mm. How do I do this and who needs to do it for me? I think too often we try to take it on alone. But something I've learned, you know, through you and with you throughout the years is how lonely it is, like going at it alone by not finding your who and saying I can be the beginning, the middle and end. 
you know, at one point, like you had a team around you and now you've got the family that's, you know, continuing to go into the family business. How did you find like your who's like, where did you like really look and understand? Because we've had some bumps and bruises, you know, Dr. Mm -hmm. Jeff Spencer, a dear friend of both of ours yep. sits and says, I'm not going to work with anyone that hasn't been dinged up and bruised because they haven't gone through life experiences. How do you really navigate in understanding someone's life experiences that you want to partner with or finding your who to do something? Well, it's like everything. You learn how to do something right by first doing it wrong. And so when I was growing my company, my concierge firm, I thought, you know, what is a successful business? Well, it's a business that's got 60 employees and a 5,000 square foot office. So I did that. I bought a bloody great building. I took on loads of staff. And I have to admit, I never felt lonelier. You know, I just, I was paying people and I'm like, hey, why isn't it working? And I remember making, uh, we never topped 10, but we, we topped like eight, nine mil in a year. And I was still broke, lonely and upset. And I thought, how is this working? And then you realize the classic 20% do 80% of the work that a lot of these people were not part of the team. They made up the numbers. And so when I suddenly started realizing that there was a difference between how many people in your sandpit as to how many people have got your back, I suddenly started being really pokey at that and going, hey, you know, what are we doing here? And how, how are you going to make me really happy that I got you in this place? And a lot of people couldn't answer. They would give me lip service and they would answer what they thought I wanted to hear. And I remember getting that 60 down to 30, then getting it down to eight. And I think eventually getting it down to three. And then I got rid of that company. And there was a period of time where I wanted nothing to do with being in the concierge world. Um, and then, of course, my business changed and I got into coaching. And I realized I needed, and it's a key word, I needed a team. And that team has to have my back. I need to be able to fall down before I've hit the deck, know that that team's caught me. And... You need to be able to rely on people. And the, the classic, oh, I've got, I've got loads of friends, but have you? I know for a fact I've maybe got three, okay? And then I've got associates, and then I've got buddies, and then I've got pals, and they're all different kinds of pedigrees and, and degree. But I realized that me alone, I could win the occasional fight. But if I had a decent team with me, I could win a war. And that's what made the biggest difference. As an entrepreneur's, we, we kind of turned around and go, oh, it's going to take me longer to teach you how to do it. I might as well do it myself. But then you end up doing everything. And then your time is now being swapped for doing shit you shouldn't be doing. So I learned by doing it badly that I needed to outsource anything that I was even marginally competent at, get rid of it and focus on what I'm spectacular at and build a team that I can rely on. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things that I've seen, especially over the last couple of years, as as the world continues to change, is your 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 circle goes from this and it just gets smaller and smaller. You have the peripheral, the outside, but yep. truly the people that you are around, it, they fit in the palm of your hand. Yeah. You know, and and those are the ones that you can have the conversations that need to be had. I've got to imagine with with your team. And I'm pretty certain I've met all of them, unless there's someone that's, that's new out there. They'll do whatever it takes. And, and that's and, the key. Yeah. Oh, there's a cup over there that needs to be picked up. That's not, no, no, no. 
they go pick it up. And I know that sounds for me, but like, listen, attention to detail is, is where you cut your teeth. And I've got to imagine it got you in the rooms that you curated because you paid attention to the details that someone else found, you know, obsolete. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they're all big picture. You know, how do I get this? I want a whale. I want a billion dollar client. Well, to get a billion dollar client, you've got to work with million dollar clients who talk about you up, up, up until the billion dollar client pays attention. So if you pay attention to the small details, the big shit will look after itself all day long. Yeah, it's, the, it's, I will say this in most industries, most domains, people are lazy and dumb. Yep. Yeah. Because they just won't put in the elbow grease, you know, and as an entrepreneur, it's easy for us to lose our footing, lose our, our confidence and second guess our decisions along the way. How have you developed a winning mindset and what are some of the techniques or practices that you use to overcome self-doubt or limiting beliefs? Because in our world, we've got arrows, we've got things that are coming at us all the time and there's got to be things to like sit there and clear the smoke to move forward. So what are those things that you've used while you've grown your business? So let's divide that into two sections. Okay. Let's, let's look at the mindset and then the, uh, and how I handle, you know, the smoke and the hurdles and those things and how I handle myself on a day to day. Um, I focus on standards and me and you've had these conversations before. I huge on standards to a minuscule microscopic degree. If I've got a t-shirt that's got a slight fray, a slight nick, a fade on it, it's gone. If I've got a motorbike and it needs a nut and bolt, then that's got to be aero grade nuts and bolts on it. Everything about it, even if I'm at a McDonald's, I don't have to be a Michelin star restaurant and I get some cold fries, I'm going to go, hey, excuse me, can I wait for the next batch? Because these, these are cold. And I'll be polite, a coffee, a drink. You know what I'm like with an old-fashioned. You know, if I get something. No cherry. No, God. If I get something and it's not to a pedigree standard, then I step in and go, hey, thank you. Could you remake that for me? Or that's not acceptable to my standards. I keep myself to those high, high standards. Now. Mm. We're speaking about fries at a McDonald's and we're talking about a cup of coffee in Starbucks. If you can't have standards on a, on a packet of fries from, from McDonald's, you've got massive problems. But when you pay attention to those little things, it's those little hinges that swing big doors. And one thing happens when I'm actually keeping my standards high and my expectations at that level, people can read it. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you go, hey, I'd like a table for two, please. They look at you and they go, are you the kind of guy that I can stick by the toilet door? Or does he need a table with it? And they go, oh, certainly, sir. Let me bring you over here. And there's an mm -hmm. expectation. There's an aura of that standard. And they give it to you. And people go, how did you get that table? How did you get behind that red car? How did you walk in without waiting in line? Because I have an expectation to only settle at a certain standard and people can read it. People can see it and people can sense it. So first of all, you've got to ask yourself, what are your standards? Look at you now. Look at yourself in the mirror. Are your shoes clean? Is where you're working an environment of creativity? Is your shirt sharp? 
Is your trousers pressed? Whatever. Is your, is your cup you know, scratched and dinged and marked? You know, have your standards. So that's the first thing. The second thing is people will levitate themselves and gravitate to your standards. The higher you hold you, they will want to be part of that circle. And then you go into that, how do you get past all of the distractions and distortion and the noise and the smoke and a data? You don't see it. Now, you said about the doubt. Um, someone's often said before about imposter syndrome. Well, the only people that don't have doubt and imposter syndrome are frauds because they know that position. If you have that doubt, if you have that apprehension, if you have that fear, that's because you care. And you should reframe it and go, hey, I have this little tingle going on because it means that much for me to be part of that room. And so mm. I actually, the, the time that I stopped getting excited to be in a room of creative, creative misfits demanding more, the second I could walk into that room all blase going, I should be, is the last day I ever walk into that room. The, the, you said something there that if we ended this right now, everything would be worthwhile. And it was, it's because you care. That, that, that syndrome's kicking in there because you actually care about the outcome, the product, the people around. And as opposed to looking at it as like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this way, like, woe is me, boo. You, you care. If you can yeah. just reframe it, it's nothing different is happening. You're just, that, that little tweak right there is worth everything. And, and that's what, you know, I know we'll talk about, you know, the, the, the distillery and the speakeasy here uh, shortly, but that's, why people show up when they yeah. go to places that they have zero clue who's going to be there, zero clue who's going to present, no clue like what room you're going to go into. That's what people are looking for because those gold nuggets right there can help reframe and change what's next beyond the partnerships and, 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 and the cool places. Man, that was, I love how you, what you just did right there. Um, you know, this is something that I got to imagine you've gone through a few times is, and you know, when it comes to remaining nimble and agile to me is the key to success. Are there any tools that you use in times of disruption that while it's happening in real time and how you navigate through that? Um, attention, you know, it's something that people don't use anymore. And it's something that you can't order from Amazon. Attention to detail, attention to your surroundings, attention to what's going on. And personally, I love disruption. I love it when the shit's hitting the fan. You know, they say that great sailors are made from rough seas. Great fighters are made from tough fights. You know, when you are comfortable with being uncomfortable, pay attention, that was to uh, Joe Polish gave me that statement. When you are comfortable with being uncomfortable, you succeed. So when it's a rainy day, you're selling umbrellas. When it's COVID, you're online. When the shit's hitting the fan, you pay attention to where it's not and those are in trouble that you can be the solution to. So it's all down to that attention. And you've got to focus. Now, the thing that you, we can also focus on is we're in a world, and you've said it, with access to a lot of information. And you've also said that we've got more information 
in the last three years than we've ever had. We got a lot of more information in the last three months. Chat GPT is now writing our books for us. So we've got all of this coming up. But if you, and I'm talking to the listener now, if you go back to the beginning of this conversation, we've spoken about standards, relationships, connections, and building your circle, your sandpit, your team. We talk, we've talked about people. We haven't talked about AI and widgets and gadgets. We've, talked, we've spoken about people. And if you focus on people, that when the shit hits the fan and you don't know how to handle that moment, you can make a phone call to someone that does. Mm. And the banks never called us during COVID. I never had the bank call me once going, Steve, how are you doing? Never got that once. But I had friends going, Steve, how are you doing and what are you working on? Actually, I'm trying to do this, but I can't do it. Then call Roger. Roger will get you over that. And there's where we go. So it's all today about the connection economy. And that's what we should be focusing on. The connection economy. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, during when COVID happened, since we brought it up, Steve, you curated a room because we couldn't be together at first. That, I mean, between the dad jokes that Liam still jokes about, and Liam's my nine-year-old for anyone that's listening right now. You know, this is, you know, he's probably five or six at the time. But between the dad jokes and just getting together once a month, whatever that was, you, the, the sanity was there. It was like, it was is, weird, is it the week it? that we, the family gets to come together and actually connect and, and, and have real conversations, but also just laugh. And, yeah, we and had, it goes uh, back to the connectivity. It's human connection makes the world go around, not AI, not technology, not chat GPT. Those are tools that we can use to get an outcome. But the reality is, is being in the room, having the connection and knowing you can pick up the phone. We should explain to those that are kind of like wondering what this was. But when COVID hit and we couldn't go down to the bar or the pub on a Friday night, um, I thought to myself, well, I'm still going to drink on a Friday night. So we literally launched, who wants to join me for a happy hour? And there was no, there was no selling. There was no course. There was no hair products. There was nothing to sell. It was a case of turn up with whatever you're drinking. We had people from Australia. You were on there. We had people from Australia. Oh, yeah. I sat outside the while the, the neighborhood's running around because we yeah. like, had our bubble. And I'm sitting there with my, 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 my laptop, sitting in the front yard with a drink. It was the best thing in the world. So I'm going to ask something. Fun. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. I'd love to see you and Henry do that sometime this year. Even because it's not, but doing it because it's not needed. That actually, that's probably it. right. Henry at the moment is um, doing a bit of educating himself. He's actually traveled and he's living in uh, Milan, Madrid, and he's he's now currently in Berlin. So um, he'll be I feel back really soon. bad for him right now that he's yeah uh, that yeah. He's the there. Who? yeah. Um, but um, I'm actually we have actually been approached a few times going bring back the happy hours. So I just because you've asked, stay tuned. We will. And I will, with Steve's permission, in the, the, the give piece inside the Knowledge Center of TSF, I'll, play, I'll paste the link if we have enough time and update that. So if you do end up coming over with whatever Steve's give is at the end of this and you utilize that, you'll get a notification when Steve potentially does this. But I can tell you, it was, I don't know, it, it got some people through some tough times. You know, It did. It did. I actually, funny enough, you know, I've said funny enough and it's not. Um, I did an event uh, here in Los Angeles, downtown LA. I think this was 
four months ago, something mm -hmm. like that. And there was this couple that turned up from Miami and um, very successful couple, you know, and like all entrepreneurs, one minute you're flying high, the next minute you're in the gutter, you know, just up and down, sued, ripped off, lied to, laughed at. You know, this is the world of entrepreneurism. And uh, I had contacted him a couple of times during COVID. And she came over to me and she said, I just want to say thank you for you phoning him. Now, at the time, because of COVID, a lot of people, a lot of people's plans went in the shitter. Um, and they apparently had spent some money on something to be released, which no longer could be released. And they got their ass handed to them. Um, and they had to pivot and they came through it and everything was good. But she said to me, she said, I have to thank you for phoning him. And I was like, well, you know, he's, he's a cool guy. I was, I was happy to do it. She said, no, you don't realize. No one else did. And I was like, damn, you know, during all of that, we had two and a half years of COVID. And I called him twice. I didn't know what he was going through. I was just there to have a chat, joke. He was on the happy hours. Um, but apparently they were going through some shit. And I phoned. And I phoned tw twice. And none of the other people did. And it was kind of sad. And we didn't know each other that tightly, um, but I, I cared enough to make a call. Wasn't looking for anything. Just wanted to keep my hat in the ring and go, hey, how is everything? Well, we got a few. Well, why don't you look at it? How well can you do this? Yeah, we can do that. And I, I, I made the call and it made that much impact. So you don't know how much impact you can have by making a phone call. Yeah. No, it's it's... Whether you're making six, seven, eight, nine, whatever that is. I was on a conversation yesterday with, uh, you know, very successful individual. But the conversation, no matter what level you're at, you still have that human mindset and you still have that voice that's sitting there. And sometimes just picking up the phone and saying, hello, you have, you're not looking for an outcome. You, I, I want the listener to realize it can mean the world to someone. It can save someone's life. It can, it, can, it can lift their spirits. And then that ripple effect, think about that. He had a ripple effect that probably went into his wife, you know, later on, or the people around him. Yeah. And so the pebble in the pond becomes the mountain in the ocean. And that pebble could just be picking up the phone. You might not see the outcome, but that's okay. That's not why you picked up the phone. You just did it because you did. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You I think also the key is not to overthink things, Yeah, you know, like we did that happy hour on zoom and I thought maybe we'll get three people turning up. We ended up at some, sometimes there were like 200 people on it. The next yeah, week there was, was like 30 people. Yeah. So it was just all over the place, but we just turned up with a, with a drink and said, right, if you're going to say something, you're going to start it with a dad joke. Um, yeah. and it was just, it was just ridiculous, harmless fun that for a lot of people had impact. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you one of the dad jokes. Why did the quarterback go to, or why did the coach go to the bank? Don't know. To get his quarterback. That was that the was standard. The, that, yeah, was the standard that was the standard of, of dad jokes, yeah, by the way. Yeah. I still remember that one because Liam pure, curated that one for me. So enough dad jokes right there. You know, typically when when someone invests in their future, they have a better than vague idea. Unless they're investing in their future with you, then they have no clue. Okay. No idea. No what the all. outcome, who's going to be in the room, yep. you know, but with, with knowing nothing, okay, what should people expect when they enter your reality? To be disrupted. Um, and it's a tough one. I, I could sell 
more tickets of anything if I told people what they were getting. Um, and you can you can back me up on this. But when you don't know what you're getting, but you are that um, angry and motivated enough to change where you are to take that risk, then you're the kind of person I want in the room. So I, I discovered, and I really didn't put too much attention to it at the beginning. It was a case of, look, I don't know what you need. Nine times out of 10, you don't know what you need. But I, if there is something aggravated in you enough to go, hey, I'm not willing to settle for where I am, but I don't know where I need to be or who I need to speak to to get it. You get a group of those disrupted individuals in a room and you can make sunshine. And all you've got to do is disrupt people, give them information from sources they never would have thought they would ever be given the chance to speak to, bring into, um, bringing them into circles of creative people and magic can happen. And I discovered the less I tell people about what I can do for them and to them, then I attract those kind of people that I need to be working with. So I'm going to go down a little bit of a piece here and what that meant to me or what the outcomes have meant to me that I had zero clue. I met Steve in Thailand. He reached out to me. He and I went to prison. I met other people in the room that I had no clue of, didn't actually care much for. And from that outcome, um, a technology company, uh, an association um, uh, uh, company, uh, 400 acres, partnerships that I couldn't have imagined. Um, one of the most wild rides. It was like Toad's wild ride over the last couple of years, to say the least, learning about the Web3 world and different things. And my relationship with my wife is probably stronger because of the people that I have met through Steve. Now, Steve, when he did this and Steve, I, I'm doing this of my own, you know, own accord here. Steve didn't sit there and say, huh, how can I make sure that Brandon has this final outcome out here? It was my job to be in the room, to communicate and to actually connect with people if that's what I wanted. But those are the type of people and the type of things that the outcomes could be like, oh, I also forgot like a quarter million dollars in like people investing in you that have been in Steve's room and you didn't even ask him for it. So go to the room, don't show up in the room. But what I can tell you, those things that, don't make sense that I just said have all happened to me because I ended up showing up in Steve's room. You took a chance and you took a chance on the most important thing in the planet. You. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I find the, the trouble is we are in a transactional society and people want to know, you know, I get this all the time. I had a guy contact me the other day and he's like, Hey, I see you've got another speakeasy. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, well, where is it? I'm not telling you. Uh, who's going to be there? I'm not telling you. W who's going to be speaking? I'm not telling you. Yeah, what am I going to learn? You know, and he, he went on like this. You got more and more of it. And I said, look, I mean no disrespect. But if you've got all of these questions, you need to go to a different event. Yeah. The only question you should be asking is, what's wrong with me today that I need fixed? You know, so stop asking me questions and ask yourself that one. Let me know, and I'll let you know if this is the room you need to be in. And the great thing is, is Steve doesn't let everyone in the room. There have been no. people that have paid. 
that end up getting their money back because they're not the right person. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're good, they're bad, or indifferent. It's, it's just, just not lie. our kind of people. Yeah. you've A lot of people use the credit card going through as the filter process to, to, to access. Yeah. Yes. And I wanted to, yeah, exactly. And it's a case that we need to make sure that it's the right room. We did, we did one uh, a while back in Hollywood. Um, and in, it was like about three or four days. I'd been on some podcasts or something like that. We, we made 16 sales for the speakeasy. That's two grand a person. That's 32 grand. Okay. It's not billions. It's not millions. It's $32,000. And everyone that applied of those 16 from the podcast that we, we were on, we communicated with, and one by one, Claire had to refund our money. So in the first three days of the week, we'd made 32 grand. And in the next three days, Claire had to refund it all because it wasn't the right environment for those people. Either no, we're not going to be covering your topic in this one. So I suggest wait. If I think it's going to be that, I'll let you know. Or they wanted to sell a service or sell a product, or they were trying to raise money for something. And we literally said, this, this isn't for you. We didn't make a single sale in that week. We have 16 in the beginning of the week. We refunded them all. We never made a single gross sale in that week. Yeah. But you've and got to protect your room. The, the minute you don't, you don't protect your room, your people, your reputation. Yep. Word travels fast in this, in, oh, in any industry. But I can tell you as the, the, as large, you know, this, this industry is a hundred billion plus dollar year industry in self-education yep. and communities yep. and stuff. In that realm of things, what I can tell you is it's a lot smaller than you think. Words travel fast. Oh they, yeah. And, 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 and sometimes words travel that aren't true. And, and people, you know, they come up with their own ideas on certain things. You and I have uh, been, you know, a part of that in, in some domains. But I digress. I've got a few questions left as we're coming to an end here. Okay. You know, there's always new ideas brewing in times of prosperity. But I believe that creativity and ingenuity, which you are the king of creativity and ingenuity, they come when we feel the squeeze. Mm -hmm. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Uh, we've really just launched uh, Sims Distillery uh, as our community. Um, we invested, and it really kind of came out correctly uh, in the squeeze. I'm I'm 57 years old, so let's be blunt. I'm on I'm on the final chapters of my life. You don't look a hair over 60, so you're exactly, doing exactly <laughs> exactly. And and Henry Henry was 25, and so he was at the beginning of his impact journey. Um, but we were both aggravated enough that we wanted to be smart. We wanted to be in the right rooms. We wanted to become uncomfortable. We wanted to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. So we were saturating ourselves with information and along with that information, misinformation. So we were constantly trying to find where we can find the right event, the right exposure, the right tutoring, the right mentorship, the right coaching. And we, we, we joined this group and it was a hundred thousand dollars and it didn't work. Mm. And it, we got in there and within the first few hours, we were confronted with an upsell opportunity 
after so the hundred thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'd paid a hundred grand, but it's top ticket thing. And they wanted to talk about this, but most of it was going to be revealed if we would upgrade. We're like, what the fuck's this? You know, we have literally just come up and, and we're now like sheep ready to be slaughtered for the next. And, and I was so aggravated uh, that I brought it to the attention. Now, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be uh, um, egotistical here, but because of, of, of who I am and the voice I have, and the people that know me, the the providers of this turned around. They went, "Hey, you're not happy. We'll give you all your money back. Don't come back tomorrow. Let's let's put it down to it. Didn't really work." And so they paid me. But I'm thinking, how many people never got that money back? How many people, had they not been me, would have been offered that deal? And I just thought, masterminds are communities. We, we we've spoken about it all the way through. They are a room of like-minded individuals who demand more of what they're capable of, who they are, and their relationships, both at home and in business, and also demand more of their impact. It's all it's not about who's on stage. It's not who's about who's done a billion dollars more than you. It's about the person you're next to can help create something like you have. And so we got very angry. And we came back and we went, we don't like the way masterminds are becoming. We don't like the way communities are literally just a, a pay show. You know, we want something out of you. Um, so we built the community that helped everyone cross. It's not a marketing group. It's not a wellness and fitness group. It's not a how to look after your money group. It's not a how to scale your business. It's not an how to exit your business. It's all of those things. Because you don't know when you need the next thing. But you need mm. to make sure that there's a community that when you're working on your business and you're not working on your health, can step in and go, whoa, if you're not focusing on yourself as the racehorse, you're not going to win the race. So time to focus on you. Hey, you're focusing on the business. You're focusing on your health. The hell's your family? You know, so we need to hold each other accountable. So we built Sims Distillery to answer selfishly the group that we wanted to be part of. And now I just love, as we discussed at the beginning, seeing how those relationships are now spawning new industries, new connections, new businesses. And I love nothing more than sitting here and going, I'm one of, and this is to, 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 to steal Joe Polish's theme, I'm one of those dominoes that helped you get to where you are now. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proud daddy moment to be able to, I don't know, look on Facebook, see, see a podcast. And I see podcasts where two friends are talking and I'm thinking, I had something to do with putting them in that room. And yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm there just to disrupt and create and get more people doing things. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And, and just, you know, for... For the listener out there, we're talking some of the people in the room. I'm, I'm familiar with them. CFO, uh, a tech person, uh, three-time Emmy award-winning, like one of the most brilliant marketing ad strategy persons for, for social out there. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. So they are from different domains. So if you're like, oh, it's not for me because I'm... No, it's in all different domains, all different sectors. But they're looking for one common goal, which is to help themselves, help solve problems and actually do something of good, do something for purpose. Yeah. Money is a byproduct, 
you know, money becomes a byproduct when you solve someone's problem and you help someone. But these people are the givers. They are the leaders. They are the next generation. And you having Henry, I've got to imagine that's just, it's, you know, it, it's, I, I, I hope to have that type of a relationship with, with my son as he gets older. Unfortunately, by the time he hits Henry's age, I'll probably be like 70 something. Um, but that being the case, that is, uh, it's, it truly is the rooms that you create, the, the space that you allow for people to connect is by far one of the best, if not the best that I have seen around the country. And I've, I've been in a few rooms, not as many as Steve, but we have a lot of overlap. And so I can genuinely and confidently say that if you're not in that room, it's a room you should figure out how to get into. You know, I've always believed in leading with the gift mentality. It's the principle which I've based every company partnership and uncoincidentally, it's the name of the podcast, The Gift. We ask that every guest uh, shares a little sneak peek of what their gives going to be that the listeners will be able to go over to TSF Knowledge Center and, and gain access, access. I really got to change that word right there. Access. Steve, what are you gifting? What is your give today for the listeners at the podcast? So I did, uh, I did my book, Go for Stupid. And one of the pains that any author will know is when you have to do the audio book. Um, mm. Sitting in a little room, just looking through an iPad, reading your own book, um, it's painful. It really is painful. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror a lot. Uh, we're not as good looking as you. Um, so I did the uh, I did the audio book in my friend's film studio. So got videoed, so I had a much wider space. Um, and we ended up with obviously the audio book, but twelve chapters of me reading the book to you. So we're giving that away. So you're yeah. going to be able to get for free my entire book read by me. It's going to be housed in this access center that you're going to be able to get these videos. And we're also, for those people that do want to meet there and don't want to buy it because you're tight asses or whatever, I'm giving you the book. I'm going to give you the PDF of the book so you can read it yourself if you promise to do something with it. There you go. It's doing something. It's taking the action. Action organizes. Could you give me a sneak peek of what's in Go For Stupid and in and, and your previous book? which is equally as brilliant. Give a little sneak peek on what they can expect when they listen and watch you read before they go to bed at night. There used to be a saying many years ago, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Uh, that's bullshit. What would you do today if you weren't frightened of someone laughing at you? For some reason, people laughing at each other now has become something that we're actually terrified of. But every single one of our failings makes us stronger, and more importantly, educated in order to be able to take the next step. So I'm often saying, hey, fail, fail often and fail up. And when you look at the planet today, everyone we revere is a serial failure. They just went for audacious, stupid, ridiculous goals and kept on going until they achieved them. And while everyone was laughing at them, they kept going forward. So the book actually goes through the people that were, they revere. What is the mindset of them? How can they be ahead of the curve? How can you stand out and stand up in a world where people are just waiting to play whack-a-mole and why mm. you don't need to play that game? 
is going to change the way you think and do business for your benefit. Beautiful, beautiful. And when is the next speakeasy? Do you have the dates for that? 11th and 12th of March with the implementation day for Sims Distillery members on the 13th. And you can find out about this at simspeakeasy.com or simsdistillery.com. Wow. We have got Steve D. Sims with one M, S-I-M-S, of Sims Distillery. Steve, thank you for your time, your energy, and, and bringing immense value to not only myself, but the individual that it's for that's listening to this today. Thank you, Steve. All the best, pal.